Hey, what's up, Revolution Church? Welcome to Revolution, especially those of you who are with us for the first time today. We're honored. We want you to know that we are so grateful that you choose to worship with us. Here at Revolution, we are discovering God's unchanging love. We say that every week because that is our mission, that is our vision, to help people understand God's love for you will never change. Despite your circumstances, despite bad decisions, despite the bad choices that you make, God's love for you will never change. It's a game changer. When I discovered that for the first time, it changed my whole walk with God, that I may be up and down in my relationship with God, but His love for me never changes. And here's the big secret. The big secret is this. When I discovered that, I found out that I could have a stable walk with God and my walk with the Lord just got more and more solid. And that is the vision of our church, is to help you discover God's unchanging love. And Jeannie and I, when we discovered this, we said we wanted to spend the rest of our lives helping people to discover God's unchanging love. So thank you guys for joining us for the first time. We want you to know how blessed we are. Our team is here. We're excited about finishing up this installment, this last message, as part of the series, Social Fatigue. Look, we started out this series saying this, man, we are all tired. We're tired of all of the stuff, all the noise the media is putting out, the election stuff, all the COVID-19 stuff. We can even add this crazy weather cycle that we're in right now. All of us are tired. Instead of being fatigued by it, what we're saying is, hey, let's flip this. Let's turn this around. Let's go on the offense this time, all right? And let's, let's pick ourselves up from this fatigue place. Let's restore some joy like we talked about. Let's put hope back into our lives like we talked about last time. And let's start taking a step towards something. Let's start making a, a decision that you and I are going to be a part of the solution in this world. Instead of laying down and being fatigued, we're going to put on our social fatigues, those fatigues that, that it's a fatigue of service, a fatigue of, of action. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to become contagious believers. And I love the testimonies that I'm hearing coming back. Got an email the other day from somebody that was just saying they are so encouraged by this message of hope and, and this message of un, the unchanging love of God. It's transforming their family. And I hope it's transforming you too. And I hope you track with us today. Today is going to be a great day. Come on, if, you, if you're sitting next to somebody, come on, punch them. Come on, tell them. Come on, guys, tell them. Hey, today is going to be a great day. All right. All right. So we're going to finish up our installment today of this series. And it is, the, it is really, I save this one for today because I want this to kind of sew up everything that we're talking about. And before I actually tell you what we're going to be talking about, I want to read the scripture first. We're going to pray and we're going to jump right into this. All right. So I want you, if you have your Bibles and I want you to see this in, in the word of God for yourself. All right. Because it's so important. Like we talked about last time, hope comes from the scriptures. Hope comes from reading the word of God for yourself. Right, And so we're learning that here at Revolution, all right, we have to keep our hope up. Other people can't keep our hope up for us. And God has given us the tool of his word that you and I can be in his word and get hope from the scriptures, all right? So I want you to see this, this Bible verse. It, it is one of my favorites. And I know I say this all the time because the whole Bible is some of my favorite stuff in the Bible, except all that stuff, you know, where I, I have to dwell with my wife with understanding. That is not one of my favorite Bible scriptures, but I'm working on it. Come on, somebody. All right. 
All right, Jeannie's in the studio and she's shaking her head at me. All right, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Turn, turn over there and let's read this together. All right, notice what it says. Notice what it says, Jez, all right? For he, Jesus, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Today, we're going to talk about the force of righteousness, the force of your right standing with God. We talked about the force of joy, the inner strength that that brings. We talked about the force of hope and how we can stay encouraged. And today, we're going to talk about the force of righteousness and how it can create this immovable foundation in your life on your way to becoming that consistent and contagious believer. Right. So join with me in prayer. Let's go to the throne. Come on, believe with me today. And let's just have an awesome time in the scriptures today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the hearer. We thank you for even those that are in this studio. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that revelation knowledge will flow freely. I thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear and eyes to see and the ability, Lord, to communicate in a practical and applicable way. Bless the hearer today. Lord, help us to hear the things that we need. Lord, I'm believing for breakthrough hearing today. Breakthrough revelation today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. So again, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're going to find out today that you and I, maybe despite the way you feel or despite maybe some of the experiences that you've had or Maybe even some of the choices that you've made as a Christian, you are still in an unmovable, righteous, or right standing with God. We're going to find out about that today. And I just believe it's going to be really enlightening like it was to me, even as I was preparing this message. Somebody always asks me this question. So where do you start, you know, when you want to understand this force of righteousness? All right, and here's... Here's what happened to me, and I want to help you understand this too. So the first thing is here, and I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 34. So I want you to see this for yourself. When you see the scripture for yourself, you're going to track with me in some of the things that I'm going to say, all right? Because I'm going to, I'm going to kind of step on maybe some old thinking today that I think is going to be really helpful to the next things that God has for all of us. Look, I just believe we are in a season of time where the Lord is getting ready to do something awesome in your life and in my life in ways that we have never seen. Maybe in ways the body of Christ, the church, has never seen before. We are in an onslaught right now. We are, we are in a place of almost persecution for our faith, a thing that America has never experienced before. And, and a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I want you to know I'm not afraid. I'm more encouraged now than I have ever been. Some of you guys know that, 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 that one of my prayer seven at sevens got canceled and, and it, you know, it, it put back up. Somehow it got back up again. I'm not even sure how that all works. But listen, I'm telling you, we get this. We understand it. It's touching us as well. All right. But here's the deal. The scripture says that God would prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And I choose to hang my hat there. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to say, Lord, your answer to cancel culture is canceling cancel culture. And he does it 
with the manifestation of his power through his church, and it comes through people who understand their right standing with God. Man, when you understand that you are in right standing with God, you become immovable. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, 34. I want you to see. This is the first step right here, all right? Notice what it says. It says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. Awake, wake up, is what he's saying. Wake up to this right standing that you have. Wake up to who you are in Jesus. That's what he's saying. And sin not. And I believe the Bible puts this in this order for a reason. All right. It doesn't say sin not. All right. And then wake up to righteousness like we've all been taught. Repent first, repent first, and then you get blessed. It says the opposite. It says wake up to your right standing. Wake up to everything God's done for you. Wake up to the goodness of God. Wake up to the unchanging love of God. This unchanging love of God is available to you today and sin not. Wake up first, sin not second. And the apostle Paul says here, and he says here, for some do not have the knowledge of God. What he was saying is that the people in the church that he was sending this message to, they were stuck on it the other way around. Sin not, then you'll wake up unto righteousness. Wake up unto the goodness of God. But what he's saying here, it's the other way around, and I want you to see this. I'm going to show you some examples through the scripture that our call today as believers in Jesus is to wake up to the goodness of God. Wake up to our right standing with God. Then we will sin not. In other words, then we will find ourselves walking effortlessly peeling off sinful things, destructive habits, destructive things that have held us back. The beginning is not peeling off the sin. The beginning is waking up to righteousness. Come on, somebody. I need you to wake up today. We're going to wake up to our right standing with God and watch what he does in our life. All right, so many examples, so many examples in the word of God. And they're right in there. I mean, I've read the scriptures for years and I, and I never saw these things. All right, so, but let's go back to the way Jesus addressed Peter. All right, so, so Peter, he's got this boat and, and, and Jesus has been trying to reach out to Peter. In fact, if you start the scriptures, Jesus made three callings to Peter, all right? Wooing Peter to follow him, wooing Peter to follow him, all right? And Peter just kept ignoring him. Peter just kept seeing Jesus and, and going the other direction. Come on, like we've all done in times past, all right? And so I'm so glad Jesus didn't give up on Peter. He said, Peter, I got to use your boat. And Peter said, okay. And after, after Jesus used his boat, Jesus says to Peter, the man that he keeps trying to call to follow, he says, hey, push your boat out and throw your nets out for a catch of fish. And Peter starts dialoguing with Jesus and he starts saying to Jesus, hey, we fished all morning and caught nothing. But yet at your word, I will, I will put out the net. Now, this is very interesting. Jesus tells him to put out the nets, but Peter, in almost like a rebellious way, only put out the net. And so as he threw out the net, the Bible says a boatload of, of fish caught uh, so much fish that nets began to break and they 
loaded all the fish into the boats and Peter had to call his friends over to catch, to put this, the, the extra fish in their boats. And Peter's thinking to himself, we fished all morning and caught nothing. And at the master's word, look what happened here. So at the end of this ordeal, Peter looks to Jesus and says, Master, I am a sinful man. Get away from me. This is so amazing. Jesus never addressed Peter's rebellion, never addressed Peter's uh, sin, never addressed anything negative about Peter. He simply told Peter, you're going to become a fisherman of men. You're going to become one of the leaders on my team is what he said to him. And I want you to see the order here first. Jesus blessed him first and repentance came second. When Peter saw the blessing on his life, he came to his own senses on his own. And I love this about Jesus. That's one of the reasons why I serve him ferociously, because he's still doing the same thing. Jesus is not about getting in your business and pointing sin out in your life. Jesus is in the business of telling you how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, how, he, how much he's, he's got a good plan for your life. And in all of it, his hope is that we would do exactly what Peter did, Drop everything and follow him. Wake up to righteousness and sin not. That's exactly what happened to the adulterous woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And you would think the people of the day wanted Jesus to undress her and tell her how wrong she was and even stone her. But Jesus looked at her and he said, I don't condemn you. He blessed her first. Then he said, go and sin no more. And, the, and history tells us, and you've heard me say this, she, she did exactly that. She left her life of sin and became a pillar in the early church. What was the first process there? He blessed her first and sin left second. Come on, are you getting this? This is the reason why he says, wake up unto righteousness. Wake up unto the goodness of God. Wake up unto this awesome God that we serve and watch how you on your own will start following him wholeheartedly. This is how revival comes, everyone. This is how revival comes when people come face to face with the goodness of God. It's what happened to me. I was living in a rebellious way Parents not getting along. I was raised in a super, super duper religious environment. No one ever told me that serving Jesus meant that I could have a personal relationship with him. No one ever told me about waking up unto righteousness, that God was good. I, I wasn't raised that way. I was raised to be afraid of God. I was raised to be fearful every step of the way. So here's what happened to me. I got comfortable with the fear. I got comfortable with my rebellion. So I didn't care about God. And it wasn't until the Lord invaded my house and my mother got born again, Jesus came into her life and something changed inside of her. This light filled her life. This light filled our home. And all of a sudden, things began to change in my home. Now, I was still holding on to my rebellious ways. I was still holding on to running with the devil. Come on. Come on, you know, that, that's what, that was my life. I was running with the devil, trust me, okay? But while I was running with the devil, I saw the light in my home. And not only did I see the light in my home, I started to see things like prayers being answered. I started to see things like miracles happening, financial miracles, miracles of healing in my home. And here's the most awesome part about this. 
My mother knew, parents, this is a little nugget here for you. My mother knew of my achy, breaky, running with the devil ways, and she never addressed my sin. Never. She just kept showing me the goodness of God. She kept showing me how good God is. And so I was running with the devil while I was watching the goodness over here. I was back in black, come on somebody, while I was watching the goodness of God over here. And, and the more goodness I saw, the more I started to loosen my hold on running with the devil. Come on somebody. And I'll tell you, one of the make or break situations that happened to me was a miracle that I personally experienced when somebody stole louvers off of my Iraq Z28. Come on somebody. I mean, it was canary yellow. All right, man, that was a car in the day. Come on, some of you guys know what an iRock Z28 is. And I had these fancy louvers on the back of that car. And so left the car out one night and woke up the next day and the louvers were gone. And I knew it had to have been an inside job. I knew somebody in the neighborhood had to have stolen them, all right? And so, man, I woke up the next day and I was, I was running with the devil, man. And I was going to partner almost with the devil to go find whoever stole them. And they were going to pay. And my mom knew this. She said to me, she saw how worked up I was, and she saw how I was getting the posse together. Come on, somebody. We didn't have cell phones back then, and I was getting the posse together, all right? We were going to go find my louvers, all right? My mom said to me, she said, hey, Dean, I got another way that you could get your louvers back that won't involve all that violence. I said, well, what way are you thinking about, Mom? Now, remember, I'm watching miracles happen in my home. And she said, hey, how about we pray for those people that stole your louvers? Now, this is like, you're on drugs. You know what I mean? Only a person on drugs would suggest something like this, right? Pray for somebody. I, I want to beat somebody. I mean, I need, to, I need to feel somebody's neck in my hands, right? This is, this is who, where I was. And she said, just what do you got to lose? I literally prayed a prayer to bless the people that took my louvers and ask God to bring them back. I'll never forget. It wasn't a four-hour prayer meeting. It wasn't, you know, something that we fasted and prayed for. It was literally standing in the foyer of our home while I was walking out to go to school. I prayed a 90-second prayer with her. And I just said, amen, without an ounce of faith in my heart. I promise you. It was a, well, what do I got to lose kind of prayer. Long story short, within 24 hours, my louvers returned with the cash to install them back onto my car. I'm going to tell you, and that was the thing, the goodness of God in that situation got Dino's attention. And I realized then that I am in the presence of a very real God. Now, I didn't give my heart to Jesus right then and there, but this was one of the things that made me give my heart to Jesus. It was that goodness of God that pulled me out of all that rebellious living. It was the goodness of God that pulled me out of violence and out of a partying lifestyle and out of a, a, of a lifestyle of a disregard for other human beings. It was the goodness of God. I woke up unto righteousness and I began to leave my life of sin. I wonder if this is what God has for us. I wonder if this is the very thing that's going to bring revival to America. If this will really bring revival to Christians who've been on the fence, who've been, on, who've been afraid, 
who've been fearful, who are watching things happen around them and, and they want to put their head in the sand. I'm saying don't put your head in the sand. Wake up to righteousness. Come on. Wake up to the power of God. Wake up to the goodness of God. Watch what he wants to do in your life. All right. Listen, I want you to know something. The book of Romans, the word sin in the book of Romans shows up as a noun 38 times. A person, place, or thing. Not a verb, not an action. See, we get caught up in religious circles, sin being an action. But when we start talking about how God made Jesus to be sin, God didn't make Jesus to be the action of sin. He made Jesus to be the noun of sin. And here's the reason why this is really, really important, all right? Because Jesus doesn't want us to understand that, that, that he delivered us from the action of sin. He delivered us from the position of sin. See, he's into, Jesus is not into behavior modification. He's into life transformation. And when you get a hold of this, the reason why he did what he did was to offer you a new life, a life transformed by his goodness, a life transformed by the righteousness that he provides. All right, so I want you to see something here. We're going to go through this slowly. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. I want you to read this with me slowly, and I want you to see this for yourself. Where you and I started and where you and I finished. Oh, you're going to see this is so beautiful. We're going to wake up to the right standing that we have with God. You're going to find out today that nothing can change that right standing that you have with God. All right, look at this, Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. It says this, and please read this, read it along. Let hope come as you read this. Let this transform you. Okay, look what it says here. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. All right, so he's saying, you got to know this. You're a slave one way or another. You're a slave either to sin or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. This is what he's saying here. Two options are being presented. You can be a slave to the position of sin, or you can be a slave to the position of righteousness, all right, or right standing with God. Imagine that. This is the invitation that's coming today. Which do you choose? My prayer is that we wake up unto righteousness, understand this position that you and I are in right now. Notice what it says here. It goes on to say, but God be thanked that though you were, you were, you were slaves of sin. You were slaves of the position of sin. We were slaves of the position of sin, not because of anything you and I did, but because of everything Adam did in the Garden of Eden. And that sin has been passed on to all mankind, whether you realize it or not, before you became a Christian, before you really understood what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus, we were born into the position of sin. We were a slave of sin. That's what the Bible says. But now notice this. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. We're delivered. What? What do you mean we're delivered? And having been set free from sin, this is what happens when you become a Christian, you became slaves of righteousness. Like we were a slave to sin, now when you become a Christian, you become a slave to right standing with God. It cannot be changed. Your action, your behavior, your bad choices 
cannot change your right standing with God. I know people want you to think that, but the scripture teaches otherwise. Bad choices will hurt you. Sin will hurt you. Yes, they will. They will hold you back. And, 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 and I pray that you understand that, that I am against sin. I am against making bad choices. I am against allowing bad things into your mind. I'm against all of that. But even if you succumb to that as a Christian, you are still in right standing with God. Now, this idea is not that you know this and also you're going to live any old crazy way that you want. That's not the idea. The idea is, to, is for you to experience what happened to me when I started to understand the right standing that I'm in, when I started to understand how unchanging and how unwavering God's love for me was, that's the thing that caused me to change. That's the thing that caused me to say, I don't want to go to the bar anymore. I don't want to think bad thoughts anymore. I don't want to spend my life hurting other people anymore. I don't want to spend my life gossiping. I don't want to spend my life stepping over other people to try to get ahead. I want to spend my life serving this one who loves me with an unchanging love. I want to spend my life understanding what it said, that he prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to spend the rest of my life understanding this and doing exactly what that adulterous woman experienced. She went and sinned no more. I'm not saying you're going to live a perfect life. I'm not saying that you're never, ever going to sin again. But I got to tell you something. The power to sin is broken when you understand you're in right standing with God. When you understand that your right standing cannot change, it makes you on fire for God. It makes you contagious. It makes you say, I want to go all the way with God, not just halfway with God. That's what this series is about, is to help you understand that you can be on fire with God with your gifts, your talents, your personalities, the things that you bring to the table, God has called you to be on fire for God. But you'll never be on fire for God if you're in this constant insecure place. Am I right with God? Am I not right with God? Am I okay with God? Am I not okay with God? I want you to settle it once and for all today. And I hope you hear my heart. I want you today to wake up until you're right standing. Wake up like you've never woken up to this revelation before. Like you've never woken up to this right standing that God has for you. And watch the miracle flow. Watch the fish. Watch the leadership. Watch the purpose. Watch what happens in your life. I believe I'm talking to some people who want more of God in their life. You and I, listen, we've been a part of a, of a prison exchange. When it says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that you and I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I want you to get a picture in your mind right now of one of those old spy movies. We've all seen them where there's an exchange. They're walking over the bridge, right? The American has got a Russian and the Russian's got an American. There's going to be this prison exchange. I want you to see this. And so they meet at the middle of the border and at the same time the exchange takes place. All right. So the American goes back to America. The Russian goes back to, the, to Russia and everybody's free. I want you to see that you and I have been part of a prison exchange when it says that God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for you and me, that you and I would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You and I were on this bridge. See, as a result of what Jesus did, it was God the Father and Jesus on one side of the bridge 
Then there was me standing with Satan on the other side of the bridge. And because of what Jesus did for us, God the Father walked Jesus out to the center of that bridge. Satan was forced to walk me to the center of that bridge. And at the right moment, an exchange took place. Jesus went with Satan, and I went with the Father. That is the exchange that took place. You and I didn't deserve it. You and I didn't earn it. This is something that God the Father and Jesus his Son initiated on their own because of the condition that we were in, because of the position of sin that we were in. Look at it like separation, the position of being eternally separated. And God, the Father, with his son Jesus, forced Satan into a prison exchange the day that you received Christ as Savior. That's what happened. You're free now. You're free with the Father now. Jesus contended for you. Jesus traded himself for you. It was a gift. We did nothing to earn it and nothing to deserve it. That's why Paul said, wake up to this. Wake up to what happened to you. Wake up to the position that you are now in. As you're a Christ, if you're a Christian, you are forever in right standing with God. So here's what I want to do. I want to help you understand this. Like maybe we've never understood it before. That's why the first thing we have to do is to understand that this is a gift. That there's nothing that you and I could do to earn it or deserve it. That's the reason why I am so on fire about my right standing with God. Because it was a gift. And guess what? Here's the next thing. You have to have the right understanding of this. If you don't have the right understanding of this, then you're going to let the enemy, who you are already freed from, you're going to let the enemy from his position try to dictate you and coach you even though you're free. You have to have a right understanding of this. All right. Now, here's what I mean by this. I'll never forget this. A young guy came into my office one time and he wanted to talk about, you know, getting his life back together again. He had been raised in church and loved God. And, and you could see goodness was still in this guy. Goodness was. And, and, and he's sitting in the office and he's like, Pastor, I just got to get my act together. I just got to get my act together. And I got to get back on the path of righteousness. And as soon as he said that, something rose up inside of me to tell him, hey, man, what if I told you that you are already on the path of righteousness? What if I tell you you've been on the path? You never left the path. What if I told you that? And he just looked at me. He just went, what are you talking about? I said, are you a Christian? Yeah. Then you are in right standing with God. All this stuff you've got going on in your head is a wrong understanding of your possession of righteousness. You're allowing thinking, bad thinking, bad teaching, or even the enemy to get you to convince something different. But I want you to know that you are in right standing with God right now. He said, man, I never heard anything like this. You know what happened in my office? He woke up to righteousness and he left that life of backsliding. He left that life of being up and down in his walk with God. Come on, is somebody getting this here today? All right. So here's the next thing you have to understand. You cannot earn this. This is not something that's earned. This is just something that is received. That's the reason why it's called grace. 
That's the reason why it's called the gift of righteousness, all right? All right, you gotta believe it's a gift. You have to have the right understanding. You can't earn it. Now here's, here's what the Bible says next, all right? This righteousness, this right standing that we're talking about, now here's where the rubber hits the road. Here's where most people miss it. Hear me out, guys. This righteousness, this right standing is a right standing of faith, is what the Bible says. It's a right standing of faith, not of feelings. This is where we go wrong. We want to feel righteous. We want to feel like I'm all, always right with God. We want to feel it. And because some days you don't feel it, you think you aren't, and it messes with your mind. Am I really saved? Does God really love me? Are His promises really real? So we're going by feelings. And I want you to see this. This is an example that came to me. So I know it's cold right now, all right? And, and we're all grateful for the opportunity to have a winter coat, all right? So you know, when you, before you go out into the elements, right, you're going to grab your coat. You're going to throw the coat on. You can feel that you put the coat on. Zip it up. You felt that zipper, the action of zipping, right? You walked outside, started to get cold. You got out into the middle of the elements, and you felt that coldness on your face, and you felt you were thankful that the pinch of the cold was caught by the coat that you're wearing. You can feel the effects of the coat that's on you, okay? Well, righteousness doesn't work this way. Righteousness doesn't feel like the effects of a coat. That's the reason why it says this righteousness, this right standing that we have with God is by faith. It's not by feeling. You got to get a hold of this. Here's why it's so important to get a hold of this. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you don't get a hold of this, this is, this is by faith and not by feelings, then the enemy, who you have been legally transferred, legally experienced a prison exchange, will use your feelings against you. He'll use feelings like, and I call them GSI, write these down, the big three, guilt, shame, and inferiority. He'll use those three against you to always, he'll always make you feel guilty about something you're not doing. Guilty that you're not praying enough. Guilty that you're not giving enough. Guilty that you're not going to church enough. All of those things are good, but God will never guilt you into those things. God will say, listen, my goodness is real. Your right standing is real. I want you to do those things because you see that I'm good and not because you have to, right? But the enemy will guilt you. Oh, you're never doing enough. You're never doing enough. Then the, then the enemy will shame you because you're not doing enough. Oh, I got to hide myself. I got to hide who I am. I have to hide my personality. I got to hide my life. I got to hide my dislike. I got to live in shame, cover myself up. And that's not God's way. God told Adam and Eve to take the covering off, right? God wants you to be you. And the enemy wants you to be somebody else, to be shameful about who you are. And lastly, he wants you to be inferior. That inferiority complex. Here's why the inferiority complex is, is, prob is probably the worst and so lethal. Because when you accept an inferiority complex, then you accept a lack of initiative in life or a lack of push forward in life. And that's the reason why the enemy wants to keep you in a cul-de-sac, wants to keep you in a circle that you never amount to anything in life when the potential of God is living up on the inside of you, the personality and the giftings that he gave you is living up on the inside of you. But the enemy got in your head with guilt, shame, and inferiority, and it's causing you to stay crippled because we gave in to our feelings. Oh, one day I feel like I'm saved. One day I don't feel like I'm saved. One day I feel like I'm in right standing with God. One day I don't feel like I'm in right standing with God. I want you to know something. If you accept this, 
what I'm saying to you, that this is a right standing by faith. It will change the game forever in your life. I thought about this as I'm getting ready to wrap up here. I hope you're getting something out of this here today because I believe there's, there's, a, there's a story in the Old Testament that I think shows this and shows a picture of what can happen to us when we really have a lack of understanding, okay? And it's a, it's a, it's a story in the Old Testament where the Israelites were going to take the city of Jericho. They were commissioned to take Jericho. And so before they did so, they sent spies in to see the city and to see what, what their plan of attack was going to be. Well, this woman, Rahab, she, she ran a hotel in the red light district, okay? And so she saw these spies, recognized that they were not people from Jericho, recognized that they were strangers, and recognized that they were being pursued because the guard of Jericho found out and recognized this and chased them into the red light district. So they ran into this tavern, and this woman, I don't know how, but she just had the sense to hide these people. And she says, I'm going to hide you, but I just, and she knew, she said, but when you guys come, I need you to protect me. I need you not to, to hurt my family. And the spies said, they did okay. They, they said yes. And so she hid the spies upstairs and, and, she, and the Jericho guard came and she directed the guard elsewhere, all right? And so the spies tell her, thank you for this. Here's what's going to happen. When we come, I want you to put this red drape out your window and this way we'll know, the whole guard will know, the Israelite army will know not to harm your home. That was the deal they made. It was simple as that. Spies left. Now, we don't know how long of a period of time that went by from that conversation to when the Israelites actually took Jericho. But I want you to see something. I want you to put yourself in her shoes for a second. This is Rahab. This is a woman who's led a sinful life all of her life. But she's got this deal with these Israelite spies. She's got this covenant, or you could say this contract, or you could say this exchange took place. Come on, follow me. And so she has this under, she, she makes this agreement with them. The spies leave. Every night, Bible says Rahab could go up to her roof and she could see, Bible scholars tell us that from her roof that you could probably see the Israelite camp lit up at night because the Bible says that the fire of God protected the Israelite camp by night. It was a sign and wonder. And that was the thing that struck fear into the hearts of everybody in Jericho. They're just like, their God is God. Their God is for them. We're hearing about all the exploits that they're making. We're hearing about all the land that they're taking. We're hearing about all their conquering, all their victories. We are doomed because Jericho is next. So imagine her going up every night and looking out and seeing that camp, knowing that they're coming. She knew the despair that was in the city. The city was completely in fear because they knew the Israelites were coming. All right. Imagine her. All she had to keep thinking about, but they said they wouldn't attack us. They said they wouldn't attack us. Imagine the people that are in her home. Rahab, are you sure that's what they said? They said they wouldn't attack us. I'm just going to do what the man said. He said, when they come, put the drape out there. And so all this pressure, all this anxiety, the Bible says they marched on Jericho. Can you imagine being Rahab? All right. Now, here's, this is an interesting uh, thing you got to know now. Rahab lived in the wall in the wall of Jericho. So she had first-hand, bird's-eye view of what was happening. So she could hear the armies march. She could hear, oh, the Israelites are coming. 
the Israelites are coming now. And you can just imagine the whole city locked up. Her family's in her home. You can just imagine what's going on inside of her. Oh, I have this agreement with these guys. Rahab, are you sure? I don't know. You have to stop asking me these questions. I'm just going to do what the man said. I'm going to put the red drape out of here. Will you leave me alone? I can just imagine the anxiety and the stress. They could hear the marching. They could see the army arrive. And listen, and for seven days, they marched around Jericho in silence. I'm I'm telling you what, if I'm locked up in that home with Rahab and I'm seeing this for seven days, okay, that's torturous, okay? You can imagine what was going on in her mind, but she just had to keep saying, I had to put the red drape out. I had to put the red drape out. I've got this contract. I'm in it. There's nowhere I can go. I can't leave. I'm stuck here. I had to put the red drape out here. And on that seventh day, The Bible says that Joshua gave the shout and he said, shout for the Lord has given us the city. And this massive shout went out. You're in the wall with your family and you hear the shout. Then you you experience the wall start to shake. As the Bible says, the walls started to rumble. And after they shouted, the walls came tumbling down on their own. Then you could hear the men shout, the Lord has given us the city. Can you just imagine being Rahab tucked in her house with her family? Can you just imagine the fear, the anxiety, and the stress, right? Yet she just kept saying, but they told me to put the red drape out there. They they told me to put the red drape out there. Then came the knock on the door, boom, boom, boom. And they forced their way in. This is do or die right here. Either the contract's real or it's not. And thank God, the Israelites kept their word and said, we are here to escort you to safety. And that's exactly what happened. And let me let you in on a little tidbit. This is just so absolutely amazing. Archaeologists have excavated that area where Uh, the walls of Jericho where they found the wall and there was only one section of the wall that was still standing and all archaeologists believe that that was Rahab's home. Amazing. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. In the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that fear, in the middle of all of that stress, she had that contract with them. Even though it may have felt like the contract wasn't going to work, that they weren't going to keep their word. They did. And she did. And the Bible goes on to talk about the amazing blessing this woman experienced. In fact, she went on to marry Israelite nobility from that point forward. I mean, the blessing that was on this person was absolutely amazing. But imagine being there throughout this whole ordeal. She was in right standing the whole time with the Israelites in the middle of all that fear, in the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that anxiety. I want you to know the same thing is true for you today. Whatever challenge that you're in right now, whatever hurt you're experiencing, whatever anxiety, fear, as a Christian, you are in right standing with God, even more so than Rahab was. You are in right standing with God because this is a righteousness that is of faith. That's the reason why my heart for you today is wake up to what God's doing. Wake up.
to your right standing today. Don't let fear, anxiety, media, political process, weather, abnormal weather, financial situations, don't let it stress you out. Wake up to the fact that you're in right standing with God. Wake up that your dad has this. Wake up to the fact that the Father loves you with an unchanging love. Your next step then, here's my challenge to you. As a believer in Jesus, your next step is, I sign this in every email I send out to, to you guys, and those of you who are part of our church, you guys know this, Matthew 6, 33. Every day, seek first the kingdom of God. Watch this. And His righteousness, His right standing He has for you, his right stand, his position of right standing for you. Every day, seek first the kingdom. Every day, remind yourself that you're in right standing. Oh, I messed up yesterday. Yeah, but you're in right standing. Oh, I had bad thoughts, but I'm in right standing. Oh, I made a bad decision. I'm in right standing today. The Bible promises us that all of these other things would be added unto us. That is what you do as a believer. And if you're watching today, you've never made this jump, you've never made this step into being a Christian, then that's your first step. Your first step is to understand that even though you're not a Christian, God is not mad at you. You have to understand this. God is not mad at you. God is mad at the devil. God is mad at the enemy for the position of sin that he put the whole world into. He's not mad at you. You're just a bystander. You're collateral damage. I was collateral damage. But today, you don't have to be. Today, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today, if you never put your faith in the fact that you can be in right standing with God today, I'm encouraging you to do that today. See, God loves you. He's not mad at you. I don't care what choices you've made. I don't care how detrimental or, or what, what type of bad decision that you have been involved with. The love of God, the right standing that God has for you, it knows no limits. It's free. It's a gift. Won't you accept this exchange? Won't you accept giving your sin to Jesus and accepting His right standing for you as a free gift? And it's really simple. All you have to do is what I did. You pray a simple prayer of inviting Christ into your heart. Yeah, that's it. I was raised in a real religious environment. I never knew that this is what you could do. I mean, all those years in church and Sunday school, and tell you about that one day, but no one ever told me I could invite Jesus into my heart and develop a personal relationship with him and wake up to his goodness. Wake up to my right standing. No one ever told me that. I want you to know that today. If you take this step for Jesus, you take this step of faith, and you invite him into your heart, you will wake up to the goodness of God, the goodness that you've never known before. Because he's not a respecter. He'll do for you what he does for others. So right where you're at right now, would you just bow your head and just pray a simple prayer just like this. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I need you. 
I want to leave my life of sin. And I want this free gift of right standing with you. I recognize that you died for my sins. And God raised you from the dead to pay for my sins. And I accept you as my Savior today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's that simple. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I am so proud of you. Our whole team is so proud of you. They work hard. They had to sit here and listen to me week in and week out. That's a lot of work, trust me. They are so proud of you. Do me a great big favor. Don't stop right there. I want you to type the word Jesus in the chat. I want to send you a link. And this is a link that you can click on if you want. We're not going to force you to do it, but if you want to, you can do that too. Here's the reason why I think it's important, because everybody has the next step when they receive Christ, when they receive Jesus. And I just want to send you what are the next practical steps for you in understanding this right standing that you now have with God forever. A right standing that can never be taken away. You are right standing with God forever. All right, I love you. So proud of you. You have prayer requests. Those of you who are out here today, just go. I want you to put your prayer requests in the chat there. And we want to connect with you, stand with you, just believe God with you too as well. Man, we are just so fired up about what God is going to do through revolution. We believe that a major move of God is coming to planet Earth. And we want to be right in the middle of it. And I know you do too. And that's why we're going to stay right here with this type of ministry, helping people to understand who they are in Jesus that you are in right standing with him and you never ever have to be afraid of God ever again, that you can run to him, you can hide in him, even though the whole world may be going to pot, the Bible says that no weapon formed against you can prosper because you are in Christ Jesus. Right, we love you guys, miss you, and we'll see you real soon. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you, and if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.